Welcome to Center Ice. It is July 10th. We know it's been a while. I'm here with my good friend, Matt. The Stanley Cup's been awarded. We're well into the offseason. So let's get right into it. Matt, what do you think is the top story here so far? Well, in terms of offseason, I think the biggest move and definitely uh, one that I think uh, surprised many people, including myself, was Alex Dabrinkit to Ottawa. Last time you and I chatted, Matt, there were some light rumors swirling about that, but I think like a lot of players that are connected to the Sens, you hear rumors, but how often do they actually come true? And on the draft day too, we knew that Pierre Dorian was looking at moving that seventh if he could get something good in return. And I'd say this is a pretty good return. And the most incredible part about that this before they go, we go into what Debrinket can bring to Ottawa is the fact that not only did Ottawa get Alex Debrinket, they didn't have to give up any prospects or current roster players. And that, to me, that's just what a trade by Pierre Dorian. I know I've been critical of him on this show many times before, Mac, but you got to give credit where credit's due. You, you trade your seventh overall pick, your second round pick in 2022, which I believe was 39th or 40th overall, and a third round pick next year for Alex Debrinket. And yeah, he's only got one more year before you have to qualify him or give him a long-term extension. But even if you're only getting two years at Debrinket, and I think Ottawa is going to do their darndest to sign him, especially with a, the talent level that he can bring to this team, it's a real steal of a, of a trade, even if Chicago gets a decent player out of that seventh overall pick. And as you know, Mac, this was a bit of a weaker draft year compared to some other years. So I think Dorian hit a home run here, Mac. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into Debrinkat in a little bit, but let's talk about, I think, for me, the two top stories. Number one, this is on an emotional note. As you may know, Brian Marchment, who was with the front office with the San Jose Sharks, longtime NHL player, passed away at 53 years old. And you guys may not know this, but I'm going to tell you a little story here. I did know him. I grew up a Leafs fan, as most of you know, and I got to meet the Marchment family. Brian was a kind, thoughtful man and a quality NHL hockey player. And you'll notice that there are countless stories out there about his kindness and how many people he touched. I also got to play street hockey regularly with his son, Mason, who, of course, has made the NHL. I'm so proud of him for achieving his NHL dream, but just thinking of them and, and lucky to have gotten the chance to get to know them. And I'm sure many other people feel the same way, but, you know, just far too young and, and just sudden NHL news. I think Mike Greer gave a great heartfelt speech as the new general manager of the Sharks at the draft. Mm-hmm. Well, well, as you know, Mac, uh, life is precious. Life is short. And uh, it, it's real tragic to see someone, you know, 53 isn't old. That's the saddest part, you know. It's one thing if someone passes away in their 90s, Mac, but 53, that, that's my mother's age. So it's far too young. I really feel for his friends and family. His legacy will live on. Yeah, for sure. And on to the latest top story. I mean, Duncan Keith, he's hanging up the skates. He's a four-time All-Star, three-time Stanley Cup champion, two-time gold medalist, two-time Norris Trophy winner, and one-time Conn Smythe winner. He's fifth in points by active NHL defensemen before he retired. A great career. And, you know, obviously we don't condone anything that happened to Kyle Beach. And we're still upset about all of that, as many are. And there still is probably some level of justice hopefully coming for the people that were involved. But, you know, there were some great players that played for those Blackhawks teams. To me, that Keith and Seabrook pairing 
really stood out. It had everything you needed. Keith was just a player who could play so many minutes every night. He was great defensively. He could drive the play offensively. And then you had Brent Seabrook who could just crush people. He would score the occasional goal or two. He was more of a defensive defenseman. To me, that was one of the best pairings I've seen in the last 10, 15 years. So congratulations to Duncan Keith. Great career. It'll be interesting to see if he's a Hall of Famer. I think he definitely has a chance, but we'll see. I think that uh, in terms of Hall of Fame candidacy, Mac, I think he definitely has a chance, but he might be like Daniel Alfredson, where he might have to wait a few years. It really depends on who's eligible the first year in the class, the first year he's eligible, because I think that's what it'll come down to. I think eventually he might get in, Mac, but it might be a little while. But I, I think one could make a very strong case with his NHL career and his international career. I think that could be just enough, especially with all the hardware he's gotten, to get him in. Absolutely. Okay, well, there were plenty of transactions that took place, so let's start with the latest. We mentioned Debrinkat. That was a big one. Lots of goalie moves taking place. Vitek Vanacek traded to New Jersey. So they acquired him for a second round pick and a third round pick. Vili Huso to Detroit. Um, they acquired him for a third round pick and signed him to an extension. Luke Cunnan to San Jose for a draft pick and forward John Leonard. And then here was the big one that a lot of people are talking about. Kirby Doc to Montreal and Romanov to the New York Islanders. What do you make of this one? I mean, this one was interesting because you've got two sort of highly talented players. There's a lot of questions about Kirby Doc ever since he was drafted. You know, he was a high draft pick and he hasn't really produced. He's had a lot of injuries, which again, to be fair, has sort of derailed his career to this point. But you wonder if... Montreal is making the right move here. I'm not really sure about this one. Personally, I like Romanov. I like that he's sort of a unique brand of defenseman. He's not the biggest, but he plays big, if that makes sense. He's creative. He's fast. I was a little surprised they gave up on him that quickly. But again, Kirby Doc is talented. Maybe he can turn it around in Montreal. What did you think? Well, yeah, it's certainly uh, one of the more interesting trades we've seen in the last little while. Of course, you know, a three-team trade. You don't see too many of those in the NHL to begin with. And then you see some, I wouldn't say huge names moving around, but I'd say some, some notable names. And I will say this, Mac, I remember Kirby doc when he was in, uh, I believe it was, yeah, Saskatoon in the WHL. And he was very, very good. His uh, third overall pick. So it was third overall selection back in 2019. I think it was, well justified at the time there weren't a whole lot of people when that pick was made saying that you know this is a reach or this is going to be a bust but as you mentioned mac injuries have certainly gone to him i think playing in a chicago going through a rebuild and yeah montreal is going through a rebuild too but and i think that's the main reason that they've inquired him they know what he's capable of we've seen him do it before he's had flashes in an a in the nhl mac don't forget that he's shown his potential at times before you know this year was certainly better than his 2021 season and 2020 but as you mentioned it's the injuries that have held him back he's got 59 career points in the nhl which you know it's not a ton of points yet but for three years and especially with all the COVID stuff, all the injuries, playing on a Chicago team that is on the uh, on the downswing. Kirby Doc, if Montreal takes their time with him, 
Kirby Doc can stay healthy and they can surround him with good coaches like Marty St. Louis, who I think will be a real good influence on him too, Mac. I think that Kirby Doc can certainly turn things around and I think they can turn it around rather quickly. Now, Romanov to the Islanders, Mac, as you mentioned, this is one that, again, we thought Montreal wasn't quite ready to give up on him. For the Islanders, this is a situation where, just like Kirby Doc to Montreal, you you know that the potential is there. He's had flashes in the NHL before. He's had issues that have held him back. And Montreal, in this case, I believe if you're making moves here, you, you just see that the potential in Doc is slightly higher than it is in Romanov. And with the Islanders, we know that they can develop players, Mac. We've seen it time and time again. And another reclamation project. And for the Chicago Blackhawks and all this, because remember, they were the third team in all, all this. They just get some uh, draft capital back. So a very interesting trade. I would say two reclamation projects, one going to Montreal, one going to the Islanders. Both have real potential to turn it around, and I think turn it around rather quickly if both teams surround them with the right people and give them the opportunities to succeed. I'll be very interested to see how this one shakes out because it's it's just weird to see a three-team trade. You don't see it very often, and especially with all the pieces that we're moving around this one. A very unique trade in uh, what has already been a very interesting offseason. Yeah, absolutely. A few other moves to mention. Alexander Georgiev traded to Colorado. It sounds like Colorado is not going to be bringing back Darcy Kemper. He's asking for a lot of money. He also didn't play great in the playoffs. Now, Georgiev, interestingly enough, he had a really good start to his career with the Rangers, but the last few years has been very unspectacular. And I think the Rangers just decided it was time to move on and Shesterkin is the best goalie in the league, in my opinion. I know some people will still say Vasilevsky, and that's fair. I get it. But to me, it made sense for the Rangers to move on. Now, on the Colorado front, I mean, with Georgiev and Francois, have you just kind of decided, okay, we're going to win with adequate goaltending? Yeah, I think that's how they see it, Mac. We can win with adequate goaltending. Although, (laughs) based on the last few years of the playoffs, Mac, and you and I say it time and time again, goaltending is key it is so important and yeah i know the lightning didn't win this year but look at what vasilevsky was able to do for the lightning the last two three years look at what flurry was able to do for the golden knights look at what Carey price was able to do for the canadians they didn't win with their respective teams but goaltending makes all the difference and if you're just going to go with adequate especially in today's nhl with all the amazing talents we have that can score from ridiculous angles and score in the tiniest cracks in the net, especially in the playoffs. Adequate is not good enough. You know, you mentioned reclamation projects. To me, this is another one because there's no question this guy has talent, but he has not had a good few years, last few years in the NHL after, like I said, a really good start to his career. So maybe you're banking on, you know, we can fix something in his game. We can work with him. We believe in the talent. I mean, we'll see. But McDonough to Nashville and Fiala to L.A. This one, we live in a salary cap world, and right now there's a flat cap. So unfortunately, a lot of players are just valued based on how many 
how much money they're making. So McDonough fell into this realm and obviously they asked him if he was willing to move in terms of a trade. And I, I understand it was a difficult conversation because, you know, he's been an important part of that team. He's apparently well-loved. He's a leader, all that good stuff. So unfortunately for him, you know, he was just sort of a salary cap casualty for the Lightning and he was traded to the Nashville Predators for really Philip Myers, who has been on waivers multiple times, was a promising young defenseman with the Flyers coming up, but hasn't done much at the NHL level. You wonder if the Lightning can work with him and maybe get his game back in the right direction. We'll see. And also a forward was traded to Tampa Bay. But going back to McDonough, is this a risk worth taking for the Preds? Because we're going to mention Forsberg in a little bit here because he did resign with them. What do you think here? Do you think this was worth doing for the Preds? I'm going to say yes. You might say no, Mac, and that's fine. But to me, you're getting a real good talent in Ryan McDonough. Yes, you, you do have to think about the cap, but you're basically getting him for pretty much nothing because Tampa needed to move someone to make cap space for players that they want to resign, like Nick Paul, who resigned to a pretty big deal. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Someone was going to be, as you mentioned, the salary cap casualty, and it just happened to be Ryan McDonough. And Tampa comes calling and is willing to give a talent like Ryan McDonough to you for practically nothing. Yeah, you've got Philip Forsberg and Ryan McDonough, and you do you definitely have to think about the salary cap, especially down the road. But I think having those two guys in your system now, it will make the Nashville Predators better short-term, Long term, I do have some questions, and I think that's where we're going to start to question this a little more. But in the next year or two, I think that this is a good move. It's just a matter of what are you going to do with this contract? Because remember, it's a long term deal, Matt. You're going to have to put that money somewhere, especially since there are guys in Nashville that besides Philip Forsberg will also need contracts over the next few years. Yeah, that's fair. I I think it's a good short term move. I'm not sure about long term. And let's finish off with Fiala to LA. Kevin Fiala was acquired from the Minnesota Wild for prospect Brock Faber, Minnesota boy, and a first round pick in the 2022 draft. Now, this one was really interesting for me because I like the player, but I'm not sure I like the money and the term. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I have a similar thoughts here, Mac. I like Kevin Fiala just like you. I think he's a good player. Admittedly, I was hoping he would come to Ottawa before we got to Brinkett. But to me, it just feels like they're paying him a little too much. You know, it's a maybe an overpayment by a million or so. And we know what Fiala can do. He has had some inconsistencies before, nothing too major, but it just feels like he's more of a supporting player. And one of the, he's one of those guys you put in with your star player who will compliment them. He's not, he reminds me a lot of a Matt Duchesne. Now he's better than Matt Duchesne, Mac, but he's one of those guys that isn't going to really drive the play. He's a complimentary player. And to me, the LA Kings are paying, you know, star player money for a guy who's a supporting player. And that's not a, and him being a supporting player is not a bad thing. I think the return and the trade was good. I think that he will make do good things in LA, especially with LA having the talent that they've got now. He'll be a good player. I just can't get over the fact here, Mac, that Kevin Fiala is to me, always been more of a supporting player and he's getting paid star role player money. And that's my big critique of it. But We could be proven very wrong here, Mac, and it's very possible with the talent that they've got. Fiala could put up incredible numbers. He could become this breakout star and, you know, really drive the play in L.A. It's possible. 
But based on what we've seen from Kevin Fiala over the years, I think that what you see is what you get. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, I think you paid a bit too much, much money for him. But I think that was also a situation where Kevin Fiala, let's be honest, had all the, the bargaining chips here, Mac, because you give up a real good player in favor and a first this year. If you're LA, Fiala comes in, he's got one year left and he can basically say, well, are we going to do a deal now or never? That is probably what happened with his agent. And that's how you get deals like that. Yeah, absolutely. And on the LA front, Adrian Kempe also extended for four years at 5.5 per by the Kings. You wonder what moves are ahead for them, but interesting offseason so far. A couple others we mentioned. We did mention Vili Huso. He signed with Detroit three years, 4.75 million per year after the trade. Mark Andre Fleury and Jacob Middleton both back with the Minnesota Wild. Fleury two years, three and a half per. Middleton three years, almost two and a half per. Brock Besser. Now, this one was interesting because everybody knows Brock Besser has had a difficult few years. The situation with his family and his father is well documented. I think Vancouver is betting on the talent and the upside here. Three years at 6.65 per to stay in Vancouver. I don't think they're trading this guy. I think they view him as a core piece and they think the best is yet to come for him. I've heard lots of good things about this kid and I really hope he figures it out because he's a talented player. He's a good goal scorer. And I do think better times are ahead for him. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. On this list of signings, one signing I'm definitely a bit critical of, and it's more of the length than the dollar amount, Mac, is Nick Paul. Seven years at $3.15 million. I think the dollar amount was right. I just think the term was a bit too long. And don't get me wrong. I've been a fan of Nick Paul for years. Uh, he's a real good depth piece. But I just feel as though seven years, that's an awfully long time to be invested in this guy. And he could very well be good for all those years. But let's be honest here, Mac. This was sort of his breakout year. And I think it's a bit of a risky signing for Tampa, just in terms of the long term. I think short term, it'll be fine. But seven years is a long time to be paying for a depth guy like Nick Paul. Yeah, I think in this situation, they sacrificed dollar value for term. You know, they could have gone shorter term, higher dollar value, but instead they're like, okay, we'll give them seven years at lower dollar value. Right now, I don't know. The other one that was interesting to me is Tony D'Angelo. Obviously, he's a pure offensive defenseman. He does not play defense whatsoever. Two years, five million per after the trade to Philadelphia. What do you think about that? That's a very interesting move. And I, I will say this, Mac. Does anyone have any idea what Philly's doing? Are they tearing it down? Are they trying to retool? I don't think anyone knows. And I don't think even Philadelphia management knows at this point, Mac, because, you know, two, two years, five million isn't a horrible deal for D'Angelo. You and I have our own thoughts on him as a character, but the talent is there, Mac. We can't deny that. Going back to what you said. Yeah. Nobody knows what Philly's doing. Okay. Well, <laughs> on to the free agent market. And this is going to be really interesting. And it starts and stops with Mr. Johnny Gaudreau. Absolutely. And let's just be honest here, Mac. Calgary is a whole. I think everyone's trying to see what is Brad Tree Living going to do? Because not only do you have Johnny Gaudreau you have to deal with, you also have Matthew Kachek. And remember, he's going to want big money. And will Calgary have the space for it? You know, if. I think it's fair to say, Mac, if Johnny Gaudreau signs for the money he wants in Calgary, you probably won't have room for Matthew Kinchuk unless you make some sort of move. So I, I feel like it's almost inevitable at this point, Mac. One of those two is going to go, and it's just a matter of 
which one does Calgary value more? Yeah, and I think the answer to that question is Gaudreau. Not not any slight against Kachuk, but remember, Gaudreau is a guy who has basically, the Flames drafted him, and he has really developed incredibly well as an offensive player and one of the best play drivers in the league with them. And I think they have basically gone to him and said, okay, what do you want? We'll give it to you, essentially, a blank check. Now, the question is, does he want to stay? Because there are some questions about what Calgary's going to do. Obviously, there's the Matt Kachuk thing. You know, Markstrom's getting older. There's a lot of pieces in play here for Calgary. Now, what I will say about Calgary that's really interesting is, to me, they're a team that's positioned to do well in terms of a retool. Because despite the Gaudreau and the Kachuk thing, you still have a lot of good pieces there. You still have Rasmus Anderson. Mangiapane, Lindholm, if you wanted to trade him, would get a great return. I think you could still get something for Markstrom. Good young players still coming up. And obviously, Matt Kachuk, if he does get traded, I think he's getting traded to St. Louis. He would fetch a hefty return. So, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But if they lose both of these guys, that would that would kind of suck. Yeah, that would really set Calgary back quite a bit. I know people here in Ottawa would love to see a Kachuk brothers reunion. I think after you, now that they've gotten to Brinkin, I don't think that's going to happen as cool as that would be. But uh, St. Louis would be a real good suitor for Matthew Kachuk. Calgary would certainly be able to get a lot in return. A player like him would be in real high demand. And that would really help them accelerate the retool. Maybe not even a year worth of retool, just an off-season retool. If you, if you move a guy like Kachuk now, get as much as you can. Of course, there's a lot of other big names that are going to be available next week, Mac. Uh, Kadri is a big one. I hear he wants a deal north of $8 million. I don't know if you've seen that anywhere else, but that's what I've heard. <laughs> I believe it. I, there's quite a few teams tied to Kadri. Yeah, there's no question he's getting big money somewhere. My question is where we've heard the Rangers, we've heard apparently the Flames, if they don't get Gaudreau, would be interested. Although I believe he nixed a trade to Calgary at some point before he was traded to Colorado. So that's something to keep an eye on. But yeah, there's no shortage of interest in this guy. The question really is about Kadri is what are you getting? Obviously, he had a career year this year. And obviously, he's a productive NHL player. So where does he fit? Is he in between sort of his career averages or is he closer to this player that he has been in recent years? I think it's somewhere in between, but I do think someone is going to give him big money and big term. And I like the player. I like Kadri, although I do think he overachieved a bit this year. Yeah, I agree. I think this was a career year for him and, you know, good for him. He won a Stanley Cup. He was a big piece in that Colorado march to the cup. He scored some big goals. He had some real grit like he's had through his career. And he seems to have found the fine line between playing with, you know, grit and heart and going and scoring and making himself offensively known. He didn't get suspended this year, which was good to see. So he's going to get paid. Uh, It's just a matter of who and how much. And, of course, another big guy that's available is Evgeny Malkin. Crosby and Malkin next year, Mac, there's a very good chance that those two won't be playing together. Someone's going to pay Malkin a lot of money too, even though he had a down year. Yeah, he's still a very good player. You know, obviously he's had his struggles with injuries the last few years. He's getting older. I get all that. But I I think if you can put him with some good second line complimentary players, or he could even be a first line player on a good team. This is still a really good player. This is still an elite offensive player. And to me, last year, the story was not his injuries. It was that 
his line mates weren't doing anything with him. You know, it was the top line that was doing all the damage. He was driving the play offensively and he's a solid defensive player. He's not a great defensive player, but he's worked on that area of his game. But I agree with you. It sounds like with the signing of Latang and of course the earlier signing of Brian Rust sounds like he's probably done in Pittsburgh. So I think whoever's getting him is going to get him at a good value. The question is term. I'm going to guess three or four years. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable term for Malkin, especially at his age. And another guy that uh, around the same age as Malkin and uh, a guy that I'm sure will have some real interest, especially from a team like Ottawa. We've heard his name linked to Ottawa a lot is Claude Rue. As a Sens fan, it'd be nice to see, you know, an Ottawa guy come to Ottawa. He's a good player, but I wouldn't want to give him more than two, three, four at the absolute most in terms of year because he's a good player, but he's definitely on the wrong side of 30 now. And he's not the player he once was. And then of course that's not his fault, but you just shouldn't be giving him this, you know, a massive contract because of what he's done in the past. Yeah. hundred percent. John Klingberg, another big name, huge dollars are coming for this guy. There'll be lots of interest. It'll be interesting to see the term and the fit. I've heard Carolina, I've heard some other teams, but there's obviously a lot of teams that are looking for a defenseman and Klingberg is a guy who can quarterback a power play. One of the things he's really good at, which is sort of a underrated skill, I would say for a power play quarterback is getting shots through from the point. So this is something he practices a lot. He's able to, you know, take a slap shot or a wrist shot and evade screens or players in front and get it through. So it can either be tipped or just go right in the net. And obviously the, the defensive game is not great, but in terms of offensive production and the ability to drive the play for forwards and break out the puck, huge value there for Klingberg. Absolutely. And uh, lots of, as you've mentioned, lots of teams looking for defensemen. He'll have uh, no lack of choices on where he wants to go and help for how much he wants to play for. He's got all the cards right now. All right. Well, now here's where we get really interesting because we know the Patrice Bergeron situation is well documented. Originally, he has said that it's retirement or back to Boston. Will that change? Apparently, Boston is trying to re-sign Pasternak. They don't want him to leave. There were some rumors swirling that maybe he was going to get traded. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, you get further into this list, and this is where it just gets really interesting for me because you've got Jack Campbell and Darcy Kemper. And those two are, for me, it's Campbell than Kemper. Campbell is a better goalie than Kemper, in my opinion. And the Leafs haven't done themselves any favors with the terrible moves they've made in terms of paying players way too much. And now, guess what? You're in a situation where Edmonton has gotten out of the Duncan Keith contract, and they are heavily recruiting Campbell. To me, you know, the scary thing for the Oilers, and we kind of mentioned this briefly during our playoff preview show, is like, all this team needs is goaltending and a little more reliable defense. And obviously they could use some other pieces on the forward core. You have McDavid and Dreisaitl and some other good players. If Jack Campbell signs with the Oilers, they have a real good chance at winning next year. They, they really do. Because we saw what McDavid and Dreisaitl can do. Dreisaitl played on one leg these playoffs. You know, McDavid was unbelievable these playoffs as well. And Mike Smith was awful. <laughs> Just yeah. awful. Like could not be worse. Adequate goaltending. Campbell doesn't even have to be elite. Like he was great for the Leafs in that first round. If he plays like that the whole playoffs, they might beat Colorado and they might win the cup. Just think about that for a second. So that's an interesting situation to watch. We mentioned Kemper. I don't know what's going to happen here, but then you've got this kind of secondary market, which is really interesting to me. You've got a guy like Andre Burakovsky, Andre Palat. It sounds like he might go to market. Vincent Trocek, Valerie Nachushkin. And then you have Riley Smith, Andrew Kopp, Ilya Mikheyev, Ryan Strom. 
Ricard Raquel, Nino Niederreiter, Josh Manson, Mason Marchman. What do you think about this secondary market? Any players in particular you really like? Well, I've always been a big Ricard Raquel fan, Matt. And if you're a team looking for, you know, a second, third line player who will get you, you know, not a ton of points at this point in his career, but, you know, is a steady guy to have back there. I bet you could get him for a pretty good price at this point. I think he could be a real under the radar signing that could go this offseason that could really pay big dividends for a team, depending on, you know, what what's the term going to be? What's the money amount going to be? But if you can get him for a reasonable deal, which I think isn't hard to do, that could be a real pickup. I'm going to say Dylan Strom because I think this is a good player. I think he just needs players to play with. I like what he brings to a team. It'll be interesting to see where he lands, but I don't think he's going to ask for a lot of money. And I think this could be a good value. Now, there are some really interesting ones here because a lot of these players kind of fit into the, I like the player, but I don't like what they're going to get. Everybody knows I love Riley Smith, but someone's going to pay him way too much money and he's a good player, but he's going to get way too much. Same thing with Andrew Kopp, same type of player. Ilya Mikheyev is interesting because he has developed at the NHL level, but last year was not great for him. He's an interesting gamble for a team. The question is, what are you getting? How many goals is he scoring? We really don't know. Ryan Strom, to me, is a player that is is solid, but benefited from playing with great line mates. And I think his production was inflated. Nino Niederreiter, I don't know if there's a lot of interest out there. He may return to Carolina on a low-cost deal. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I like Mason Marchman. I mentioned my childhood days playing with him. Would be cool to see him play for a, a different team. But we'll see what happens with him in Florida. I think they would like to bring him back. But obviously, again, like every other team in the league, cap crunch. So, yeah, I, and there's other players we haven't even mentioned. I, I didn't mention David Perron. Not a great skater, but a very good goal scorer. Anyone could use him. And there's more players available on the market. You know, there's Phil Kessel. There's our favorite Phil Kessel. (laughs) (laughs) There's some really interesting fits there. But I think the thing I'm going to watch most is which team is getting the value here? Which team is signing players to deals that you can look at and you say, I'm okay with that value, or that's a really good value, or on the other side of things, which is probably going to happen. It's free agency. This player is getting way too much. It's silly season. So let's move on to the trade market, which is another really interesting thing this off season. And it looks like it's going to be pretty active. Absolutely. Uh, you look at St. Louis alone, and they've got Tarasenko available. And Krugan, you and I uh, mentioned earlier this year how Seattle probably regretted not taking Tarasenko in the expansion draft because he certainly had a bounce back year this year. And St. Louis is going to look for a good return on him. Tori Krug is also available from St. Louis. Those are two real good pieces. Someone's going to kick tires on those guys, and I bet St. Louis is going to get some good stuff back. One guy that really does interest me is Edmonton. They have made it no secret that Puliarvi is available. I've heard plenty of teams kicking tires on him. And this is one that worries me more for the receiving team than Edmonton, because Edmonton will probably get much more in return for Puliarvi than they thought. Because it does sound like there's a market there. I think, G, you know, we've mentioned reclamation projects a lot over this episode, Mac. And he's definitely one of them. Injuries have really hampered his career, but GMs are smart. They know there's talent there. And it's definitely a gamble, Mac. Whoever gets him, that's a gamble. But it, it could pay off in a big, big way. If he can get healthy, he can find his game again. So I'm going to be very interested to see what Edmonton gets back for Pooley Because it sounds like there's a lot of teams looking 
at him. And I think that that price, although it was going to start, you know, maybe a second, third round pick, I think it could go into even roster players. I think on Pugliarvi, what I'm hearing is that there is interest, but teams are trying to get him cheap, right? They're trying to give them a third or a fourth and they're not willing to give them a second or a first. And why would you? Because they know that they're challenged to sign him. They know that he's kind of falling out of favor a little bit in Edmonton. Not sure why. Again, I think he's a good complimentary piece. He's got some talent. There are things he needs to develop. I think his puck skills are not great, but I like a lot of things about his game. The big one for me, and to me, this is probably one of the biggest ones of the offseason, is JT Miller. You know, this is a player that is one of the most productive point producers in the league and a unique player. He's sort of a blend of a playmaker and a power forward. JT Miller had a tremendous season, and a lot of people look at the Vancouver Canucks and they say, you know, who was the top scorer of the last few years? Is it Elias Pettersson? Is it Brock Besser? Well, no, it's JT Miller. There's a ton of interest out there. It sounds like apparently there was possibility of a trade to the Islanders that didn't happen, but it sounds like there's a lot of discussions going on. But at the same time, I know Vancouver would like to keep him. It's one of those situations where he's trying to win and he's not sure the Canucks can do that in the next few years. But I think whoever gets JT Miller is getting a great player and arguably the best player on the market. Well, there's another guy in Arizona that you could make a pretty good argument for, Mac. I agree with you. I think JT Miller is the best player on the market, but some might also say Jacob Chikrin is one of the best players on the market. Arizona is going to get a lot back for him. We've heard the asking price is very high and justifiably so. This is a name that's been on the market, same with JT Miller, for quite a while. It makes me wonder whether it's going to happen this offseason. If it does, Arizona is going to get a lot back. Lastly, a few other names to mention. There are, there are more that are going to be out there as, as things develop. But for Montreal, Josh Anderson and Jeff Petrie, a lot of interest in Anderson, even though he hasn't produced very much since coming to Montreal. Again, he's a big player. He can score. That's at a premium around the league. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Jeff Petrie, I think this is going to be a really hard contract to move. I do think there's interest. But again, we're in a salary cap world and teams being able to fit him in, contending teams, is challenging. And then lastly, John Gibson in Anaheim. It sounds like he is probably moving, but we don't know that for sure. This is a name that's been on the rumor list for years now, and he stayed in Anaheim the whole time. So we'll see what happens there. Absolutely. One more player worth mentioning, Mac, just because we've been hearing rumors and analysts talk about it while we're actually recording this. Now, Ottawa and Matt Murray, we know it's no secret that Ottawa's been trying to move that contract. At the moment, it sounds like Kyle Dubas <laughs> might be interested in that. I know you and I uh, were scratching our heads a little bit before the show. Obviously, nothing official yet. It's just talks at the moment could fall through completely. I, I will say if uh, Kyle Dubas gets Matt Murray and he doesn't make Ottawa take a, a brunt of that contract and he has to give up, stuff for him puzzling you know that meme of will smith with the puzzling look on his face yeah that's kind of my thoughts on that because look matt murray was a good goaltender in pittsburgh no one's gonna deny that but how much of that was because he wasn't playing in front of one of the best teams of the last 20 years i'll be blunt here okay and and i haven't really criticized kyle dubas and ken holland here but i'm gonna do that real quick right now (laughs) (laughs) Those two have made storylines over the last few years for signing players for far too much money and then trying to get rid of them and then having to give up draft capital to get rid of them. And in order to be a Stanley Cup contending team for years to come, you need to be able to manage those signings well. And you need to be able to keep those draft picks and draft and develop players 
And to me, those are two GMs who have made some good picks with the picks they've had, but they've also had to surrender a lot of draft picks, especially Dubas, for bad signings like Peter Mrazek, Nick Ritchie, Patrick Marlowe. Like this is going to catch up to both of them. And I think, frankly, as you mentioned, if Kyle Dubas makes this move for Matt Murray and lets Campbell walk to Edmonton, he should be fired. Seriously. Like that would be an absolute joke. He's the worst goalie in the league. I don't care he played for your Sioux Greyhounds. He's terrible. He he would single-handedly derail the Leafs next year. Absolutely. And and look, if they were to get Matt, you know, let's say he was a free agent and you were going to say, you know what, we're going to take a shot on him as a backup for, you know, 1.5 or even league minimum. I wouldn't, you know, whatever. You take you got to take risks sometimes. It's just how it is in the league. But if you're giving up draft capital, which knowing Pierre Dorian, knowing Kyle Dubas, I bet there's draft capital going each way here. And watch, I guarantee you this, Mac, watch Kyle Dubas give up way more than he should for Matt Murray. Because let's be honest here, Mac, Ottawa should be giving up. And that's the expectation. Ottawa should be giving up stuff for teams to take Matt Murray's contract. And watch Kyle Dubas come in and say, oh, he used to play for the Sioux Greyhounds. He won two Stanley Cups. Here, I'll take him off your hands. <laughs> it could happen. And, I mean, for the Leafs fans' sake, let's hope it doesn't. We do know Matt Murray's going to be on the move at some point this offseason if Pierre Dorian has his way. He'd rather save that buyout for someone like Zaitsev, I imagine. So, Matt Murray will be on the move. I think you're right. Someone's going to overpay for him. And whoever that is, they should be fired. Anyway, let's wrap this episode up. I want to mention one thing before we finish, and that's that I I really like what three teams are doing by building through the draft and acquiring young assets, and that is the Buffalo Sabres, the Minnesota Wild, and the Arizona Coyotes. I think all of those GMs have done a great job of acquiring draft picks for players that have high salaries. And have, you know, the value of these players that have bad contracts and teams are looking to get rid of, especially contenders, is skyrocketing. And these teams are capitalizing on that and they're building through the draft. I really like the high upside picks they've made the last few years, especially Minnesota and Buffalo. And I think you can make jokes about those franchises. I get it. But you look at what their management team is doing and it's it's pretty good and it's going to be pretty interesting. Obviously, these teams aren't going to be good for a little while but they're making the right moves and you like to see that yeah absolutely and that's that's how you build your team man you build it through the draft and with smart signings that's how colorado did it and that's what all these teams are following all right well we are out of time for the episode today but this was fun as always we'll be getting it to you shortly today We'll get it edited up and posted we hope you enjoyed it we hope you're enjoying the hockey off season enjoying the summer weather out there thanks for listening you know where to find us we're on any podcast platform just look for the white blue and red logo for matt this is max signing off enjoy the games guys (laughs) 